You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. God, we just are so thankful for just who you are and what you're doing, and we thank you for just the ways that you provide in our lives, God, and we thank you for these gifts, these funds, these tithes that are coming in, and we just pray a blessing over them, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom as we use them. We also pray for Andy this morning as he's coming and sharing his word, Lord God. Would you just bless him? Would you fill him with your spirit? Um, Enable him to speak this truth to us and help soften our hearts to hear from you this morning, Um, that we wouldn't just stay stagnant, God, but that we would hear from you, we would grow um, in your love, God. And we just give you this time in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you put the mic down, we've been asking people to pray for getting people involved in kids' community status report. Oh, yeah. So we're excited. I believe at this point, sorry, I talk really fast, so I'll slow down (laughs) just a little bit. Sorry. Um, We have gotten a few, I know, it's just the way I am. Um, We've gotten a few new people, so next week we are going to, like, (laughs) we are planning to divide the one-room schoolhouse, so we have enough volunteers. We're thinking. Huge prayers. We're thinking. So different people might be subbing in periodically fill in some of those gaps, but we still do need people to like be consistent. Um, we don't want just warm bodies like, so we want people who can learn to invest, but we're excited about that. And we're still able to start youth group. We're still able to start our Sunday youth next week. Um, kind of relaunching and kids club. We have some people interested and they're praying about it. So I, at this point I'm like, even if you're praying about it, I'm like, let's, I'm just excited about that. So there's people thinking about it still in some of these different areas. So I, to me, that's a praise. Like God is raising up people because yeah. we need more people and we need Absolutely. different people and we need, I don't know, not just me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let me tell you, you don't want just me. <laughs> so anyway, well, we're, thank thank- you. we're yeah. so thankful. I just wanted to say, yeah, thank you all for praying because that's been good stuff. Yeah. Let's clap because God's been answering some prayer. I love that. Uh, hey, get your Bible in front of you. The big thick one is the Faith Community Church Chairback Bible, and that's Romans 8, verse 37. That's what we're going to study this morning, Romans 8, and starting in verse 37 to the very end of the chapter. We're going to finish up our verse-by-verse study. Now, before I get into it, let me just, I just wanted to just sort of say something just sort of quickly. Um, I am, this is sort of my last official act for five weeks. Let me finish that sentence. Um, for five weeks. Uh, I'm taking kind of a break, and you're going to know a little bit more of why that is um, in, when I kind of do tell you my opening thoughts. But um, probably back in January, I said to the elders, I said, hey, guys, I am just, I, I'm pretty spent. It's been a long, hard road, and, you know, can I, can I take a little bit more time? And, of course, Dominic, who loves me so much, says, well, that's not on the agenda. We're not discussing that tonight. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he literally did say that. Um, and, uh, no, they graciously have said, Hey, take, take five weeks. So it's not a, it's not a, it's longer than a vacation, but it's shorter than a sabbatical. And, uh, so just so you know, I'm going to be gone for about, for, for a few weeks. You actually will see me back. It'll be a little confusing because you'll be like, wait, well, I thought I'm coming back next week to kick off our next series on why are we doing church? And the rest of the preaching team is going to very capably take it forward till I get back. 
And then we're actually going to, Alita and I are going to be up at Maymac on that Saturday. And Monica has been sworn that she will not ask me to do anything. I'm just going to be up there just so I can hang out with everybody. But I would, I would ask that you just pray for me. Just, I, I, I'm not in a bad place. Like I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, the Barna Research Group has just stated that, I think this came out a couple of weeks ago, that 42% of pastors are in the active pursuit of stopping what they're doing. That is not me, but you can pray for me because it has been, like so many pastors, it's been a long, hard, difficult road. And so I just need time to be able to kind of renew. I'm going to spend some time just renewing and walking with the Holy Spirit and see if the Holy Spirit has anything for me to kind of knock me upside the head or comfort me or which one of those things I need most. Um, we're going to be up at Donner Lake and at the very end, Alita and I, just the two of us with some really dear friends are just going to go to Disneyland like 20-something couples and just have fun. Um, so, you know, it, that's where it's going. And so I just wanted to say in advance, thank you for that and please pray. As I'm gone, you're in great hands. I have no fears about anything happening at Faith Community Church. It's going to be a good time. So, well, with that, let's pray. God, thank you that you are the God of restoration and renewal. Uh, you are you are a God who is faithful and good. And I know for me, uh, your goodness is going to be also found in some conversations that we need to have. Um, this kind of level of deeper intimacy between you and me. And it's the same thing that you reserve for all of us. And I'm deeply thankful for that, as well as I am thankful for this reality that we're going to be finishing Romans 8 studying. Um, it is real, even though it doesn't always feel like it. And so, God, I just ask that as we finish this, what's been a really good study, reminding us of your grace and the fact that you are for us and not against us, May these things just be so deepened within us as we continue to live our lives. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Well, Romans 8, man, talks about finishing with a big bang, finishes with these big, big words that we'll put up on the screen that says, we are more than conquerors, you know, touchdown, than through him who loved us. Great words. Should go on a bumper sticker. Probably is on a bumper sticker. Um, however, I look at that, and when I look around at what I've been through, just me personally, through the last 31 months, I could easily ask, uh, am I missing something? Am I missing something? Now, in saying that question, am I missing something, I will own to the fact that uh, church culture that I grew up in, started going to church. My dad's a pastor, probably like the first week of my life. So I'm going to own that church culture and my own personal desires have so taught me that would be the church culture part and so wired me. That's my own internal desires part. To want that statement, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, to mean that Jesus will help me be emotionally unshaken in every one of life's trials to mean that he will help me prevail against every challenge and to help me successfully make everything I touch bigger, better, faster, and stronger. That's what I want that to mean. But my own personal reality involves, and you're going to see here why, oh yeah, maybe you do need to take five weeks. Maybe take 10. No, I'm just kidding. Um, why my own personal reality involves things like my younger brother Paul um, died on Christmas Eve 31 months ago. He went into the surf to save his daughter in a rip tide, and he saved 
Julia's life, but he lost his own on Christmas Eve. And then COVID hit the world a few months later, 28 months ago. And I didn't have a seminary professor to call. I didn't have other pastors to call to say, um, how, do you, how do you navigate a church through a pandemic? Do you know how to do that? I had nobody to go to. Uh, and I had to try to lead Faith Community Church, this church that was as scared as I was, into the COVID storm. And then reinvent and then pivot, and then reinvent, and then pivot, and then reinvent how we did church, and even have to rethink, what is church, actually? And how do we function as a church? And I worried about what, what's going to happen to our county, what's going to happen to our city when the CZU lightning fire hit. And then we had to help families, three families from our own church lost everything in the fires. And how are we going to help them? And within those same last 24 months, I said goodbye, you said goodbye in this church to so many people. I said goodbye and goodbye and goodbye again to so many friends who chose to or needed to move away out of the area. My dad, who had done pretty well throughout this whole thing, ended up having a medical emergency and going to the ER. And I was told by the doctor, you can try to get him home. He won't make it home. He survives home. He went on to hospice hospice care for 14, 14 months ago. And then we lost Alita's brother, Pete, eight months ago, four days before Christmas. And both of us having lost our younger brothers in the space of two years on Christmas. And then my dad, didn't know this was a thing, graduated out of hospice. And yay, what do I do out of hospice care five months ago, and then he moved into an assisted memory care living facility, and then within a few days in his agitation, he escaped for one very terrifying night and was then back in and has settled for now. And if I only looked at all those experiences through the lens of my growing up church culture assumptions and through my own personal desires, I would really be thinking, I am missing something on this more than conquerors thing. I'm missing something. And I know you feel for me, and you've all very much expressed that, but I also know you feel me. You know what I mean by you feel me? You, you're, you've lived it too. I know that you feel some of the same things, realizing that the gospel assurance of being more than conquerors, it can't mean having all of your desires actually all come true because you, just like me in the last 30 months, 24 months, whatever it's been for you, because you've watched so many of your desires get rescheduled, changed, or just ripped out of your hands over the last two years. You also realize that the gospel assurance of being more than conquerors, it can't mean that Jesus assures you that you will be emotionally unshaken in life storms. It can't mean that you will prevail against every challenge or that you'll successfully make everything you touch bigger, better, faster, and stronger. It can't mean that because that has not been true to your real life in the last two years. And so ending up in a place where you read a sentence like that out of God's word, realizing we're either missing out because God's holding out on us, and he only gives this kind of stuff to spiritual superstars like Paul the Apostle who wrote it and goes, that's how I'm living it. The rest of you, maybe not so much. Maybe you feel that, or or we need to circle back 
to be really clear what this most triumphant conclusion of the most triumphant chapter in the New Testament, what does this mean? And I think that's what we need to do is double back. What does that mean? So today we're finishing this summer series, God is for us. And I hope that studying the Mount Everest pinnacle of the high mountain peaks of the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, has helped all of us even a little bit more, if not a whole lot more, get it. Your God is not against you. He is so for you. And today, I hope you and I can all walk out of here clear about what this hopeful, triumphant statement actually means. So let's read what that statement is in Romans 8 to verse 37 to the end of the chapter. Here's what Paul writes. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There was once a song written to this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, as I said, Paul finishes Romans 8 with these very most triumphant words of hope. And this, it's interesting to me that this big triumphant idea of being more than conquerors starts out with a defiant, no! <laughs> I like that. No, in all these things. Now, what, is, what does he mean? What are the, all these things? What's this defiant no about? Well, it's a defiant no to the previously stated things that he talked about, which we studied last week. He's saying no to, if you look at verse 35, no to trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. It's a defiant no to, look at verse 36, to the genuine feeling of feeling like you're just a lamb strolling into the slaughter on a daily basis, where Paul is actually quoting from Psalm 44, which is referencing what it felt to be the people of God in Israel, and he's borrowing it to say, this is what it feels like to be the people of God as the church, getting at that feeling where being the people of God seems to make you that much more of a target of hostility, not only in the world system, but against the enemy of God. And Paul is basically giving this defiant, no, through the, though these troubles are real and they do confront us, these things are not the defining factors determining the final outcome of the lives of Jesus' people. The people of Jesus, and here we come back to the phrase we started with, the people of Jesus, according to Paul, are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, the word conquerors in English is the Greek word hupanikao or hupernikao which is literally gaining a decisive victory. For us, it's like we watch our Warriors play a basketball game and they defeat the Boston Celtics 150 to 30. That's a decisive victory. Or the Giants went, oh wait, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, the, I don't know, uh, the 49ers win 45 to three or something like that. We're talking about like that kind of decisive victories. We can have that, but here's the thing. This doesn't happen by our own mental, emotional, and physical powers. That's not how it's happening. It comes through him, Jesus, who loved us. Meaning decisive breakthrough wins in our lives happen through the power of the one who stomped on death. It's through his power. And 
through walking out our lives as he walked out his life. And I don't think a lot of us think about this as disciples very often, that we walk our lives as he walked out his life, that we vulnerably allow ourselves to be sent by the Father into the broken world, just like Jesus was. We allow ourselves vulnerably to be sent, allow ourselves to then serve the broken in the broken world as he served the broken, and then to suffer redemptively in a broken world as he did, and then to ascend to this unbroken and perfectly beautiful kingdom of heaven. It is through that experience, through his power and through walking out our lives as he walked out his life, this is where these breakthroughs happen. No matter what Jesus' people face, we can have this immovable hope that breakthrough of some kind, based on God's timing, God's will, God's design, not our will, not our timing, not our design, but somehow that breakthrough is somewhere over the horizon for us. Nothing can pry Jesus' love. We talked about this last week, that Jesus is committed in his passion, his emotional commitment to us, and in his purposes, what he's practically trying to render in us. Nothing can pry Jesus' love away from us. And Paul goes on to list it. He says, nothing in human experience... In his words, it's called death or life, can pry away Jesus' passion and good purposes for your life. Nothing in the spiritual realm, Paul calls it angels or demons, can steal away Jesus' passion and good purposes for our lives. Nothing in time, Paul calls it things present or things in the future, can tear away Jesus' passion and purposes for us. Nothing in opposition to God's people. Paul in the text calls it rulers, which in all of his writings in the New Testament is always code language in his mind for high-ranking demonic authorities. They can't get in the way of Jesus' passion and good purposes for our lives. Nothing in space, Paul calls it height or depth, can remove Jesus' passion and good purposes for us. Jesus gives to his people this towering confidence and hope. And so here, I think, is what Paul means when he talks about being more than conquerors. Jesus always brings us through to the breakthrough. Jesus is faithful and consistent to bring us through to the breakthrough. Now, there's some two components of this that we have to kind of think of through. Of course, being brought through to the breakthrough involves those high five moments with God. I don't know why I'm using lots of sports analogies today, but I am. Here we go. High five. High fiving God about these great breakthrough moments of God. You know, those great moments of great breakthrough victories God does give us in our lives. And I bet if I went around the room, anyone who's walked with Jesus any period of time at all, from a week to years, you've got stories of these high five moments with God where God defeats great enemies, where God defeats grave illness, where God confronts gnarly situations, where the trial and the terror end, and you've never had to face it again. It does include that. But this truth is so much more about where we usually live life, as broken people in a broken world, where you're not high-five moments every day with God where we're surrounded by burdens and problems and pain. It is so much more about where, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. so aptly stated from the gospel message, the cross we bear precedes the crown we're going to wear. It's more about that. It's more about our humiliation entrusted to God becomes vindication 
by our God. It's more about our weakness becoming a platform for God's power. I think the Apostle Paul, and this is why it's good for us to be reading Scripture widely, because Scripture explains other Scripture. I think the Apostle Paul fleshed out the full range of what he means by we are more than conquerors when he explained this same concept but from a different angle to the church in Corinth. Now, if you want to pick out a church who very much had a church culture of, you know, success and Jesus is going to help us be emotionally unshaken in life storms and we're going to prevail against every challenge and everything we touch is successfully going to get bigger, better, faster, and stronger, that would have been the very much sort of Americanized church of the ancient world. It was Corinth. And speaking to that church about this same concept, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, Paul said it this way, and I'll put it up on the screen. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. By the way, he's talking about you and me are the jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So, yes, being conquerors has those high-five moments with God. The ways that we would prefer God for always to strike down the threat and be done. But being conquerors in God's kingdom is so much more about Jesus' powerful provision of but not kinds of breakthroughs. But not in our lives. Where we may get hard-pressed on every side, but not get crushed. Because Jesus will keep us from being completely and totally crushed. Where we may be totally perplexed, But not despair, because Jesus has this way to keep us from total despair. Well, we may be persecuted, but not be abandoned, because Jesus will keep us from being totally abandoned and totally isolated and left all alone. We may get struck down, but not destroyed, because Jesus will keep us from being totally taken aside, pushed aside, annihilated, destroyed. He won't let that happen. Absolutely nothing can defeat Jesus' loving purpose of making his people perfectly holy and perfectly happy. Both are important to him, with him forever. So here's the invitation. As I'm uh, seeking to try to be a good steward of my own mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health by taking a restorative break, and as I look at the way, back at the way life has really piled on in my own life over these last 31 months, there have been moments where it had been really easy to think, I, I'm missing out on this more than conquerors thing. Yet even though my actual life has fallen so far short of feeling like it's a, look, look at my life, it's a picture of conquering. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like a picture of winning. I, just like you, have been asked by God to trust that no matter how difficult it gets, he's still good, and he always proves faithful, and a breakthrough is on the horizon out there somewhere. It may be a week away, it could be a year away, it could be five years away, but there's a breakthrough out there. And the thing that I've had to wrestle with, like you, is 
what, what is my, what's my response? What's like, what's my personal spiritual practice that God leaves in my hands? What's my spiritual practice when two things are equally true at the same time, when life is unfairly piling on and God is unfailing good? How do I, what's my spiritual practice when these things are realities that are facing me at the same time? And for me, the answer has been found in the words of Moses, actually, to the children of Israel. If I, I see some younger people in here. Anybody who knows these Bible stories, you know. There's that story of like after the very first Passover meal, the children of Israel, hundreds of thousands of them, flee Egypt and they get to the Red Sea. And as they get to the Red Sea, there's no way across for hundreds of thousands of people. And then meanwhile, they see the dust coming up in the background of King Pharaoh and his army with the latest, greatest military technology that the planet had ever seen with horses and chariots and, you know, talk about forces of destruction coming down on them. And their only defense is that as parents, they could put their bodies in front of their children to protect it against the first swipe of the sword of Pharaoh's army. That's it. That's all they had. And in that moment, in that desperate, desperate setting, Moses said this to the people, Exodus 14, and I'll put it up on the screen. He says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It was in God's hands then, back there at the corner of the Red Sea, as it is in God's hand now, whether God was going to go, here's what I'm going to do in this situation. I'm going to part a Red Sea, or if God was going to do something else. It was in his hands. And so, same thing in my life. When I'm cornered up against the Red Sea, my response in the moments of being backed into a corner is to stand firm, watch for God, and be still instead of flailing. So, Jesus always brings us through to the breakthrough. Our spiritual practice in that is to wait and watch for God's breakthrough. Wait and watch. In whatever our circumstances, we can respond by waiting on God. Instead of the, like the natural reaction of flailing wildly, you know, and trying to like control, grab all the levers around us. Which, where's a lever of control that I can control? Oh, I'll grab that lever. I'll get in my car and run, run away. I'll grab that lever over there. I've got money in the bank account. I'll grab that lever and call five friends. Whatever it is, instead of that kind of flailing widely to try to like somehow fix the ambiguity that, and try to get out of the ambiguity and try to conquer the situation, we stand still. And we stand firm by clinging to God. We don't allow ourselves to run ahead of God with our timing and our plans, pulling on those levers that we think are going to help us get through it. We just allow ourselves to be in the moment with the Lord, just feeling what we actually feel and thinking what we actually think. And we're just clinging to him there. Just here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking. We just wait. And as we respond by waiting on God, we also respond not by clenching our eyelids closed in fear and putting our fingers in our ears and just going, tell me when it's over. We don't do it. That's, that's, 
we don't respond that way. We don't, we don't watch on the horizon for the best idea to come along that we find on Google or on YouTube or on some talking head from one of the cable network shows or some podcast. We don't wait for some great ideas like, oh, I'll do that. We don't watch on the horizon for the next dreaded shoe to drop because we've just gotten so used for shoes dropping. We watch for God by observing, even on the hard days, how he is bringing peace that surpasses all understanding. How he is moving to help us even just a little bit, or a little bit more than a little bit, or or a lot, or completely. Or watching how he provides even the tiniest tender mercy on the darkest, gravest days of our lives. We watch for that. Dr. Martin Luther King once correctly observed this. He says, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I'm going to pillage his brilliant insight and tweak it a little bit for what we're talking about this morning and say it this way. The arc of God's breakthroughs is long, but it bends towards his goodness. It bends towards his goodness. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite Jonathan to kind of come on up. And um, as we get into singing, I, I hope it inspires even more boisterous singing, more joy-filled singing as we think about this. Embracing the more than conquerors through Jesus reality of our God, I think it can make it a profound impact on our lives right now. When we embrace the confidence that our God knows how to bring a breakthrough for us, to deliver something into our hands that we desperately needed, and that's the whole emphasis of what he actually does, the confidence in that, or that our God can, maybe that's not the emphasis of what he does in this trouble. Maybe the emphasis is more the breakthrough that God brings in us where he pulls off this amazing transformation of us in the struggle. And that's the greater emphasis. Or the confidence that our God's emphasis isn't necessarily what he's going to do for us or in us, but it's the breakthrough of what he does despite us. That we're a mess and we're flailing wildly and can hardly even trust him at all. And he still comes to our rescue. We go, whoa, how good is he? Or whether the emphasis of God is not for us or in us or despite us, it's a breakthrough through us. And that his emphasis is where he uses us to deliver love and grace into other people's lives as a result of what we're going through. Or whether the breakthrough of God touches on all of them, what he does for us, in us, through us, despite us. The confidence, when we embrace that confidence in our God, where it impacts us now, we enter into rest. Rest. Here's the picture of that rest. Remember when Jesus was in the storm with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee? And these were fishermen who were trained, and they knew what they were talking about, and they knew what they were doing, and they're terrified that the Sea of Galilee was going to kill them. And where was Jesus? Resting in the front of the boat, taking a nap. That's the picture. This profound rest, even in the roughest storms and under the heaviest of burdens, that's where we can live. No, in all these things that we face, we are more than conquerors to Jesus who loves us. Meaning, 
Jesus is so faithful to bring us through to the breakthrough. So let's be those people who can be, we're not flailing. We're not trying to grab at levers around us. We are waiting with him and we are watching for over the horizon, the breakthrough to come. Whatever that breakthrough is in us, despite us, for us, through us, whatever it is for the breakthrough to come. Let's pray. Father God, I am, I personally am super thankful uh, as I, I step into a break that I need that I, I marvel that how did you, how, how am I not just a pile of, of a mess of nothingness from what you've walked me through? And it's all you. It ain't nothing about, I can't sit up here and go, I'm going to give a seminar on five key spiritual formation factors. It's all you. And I am not alone. I'm in, the, I'm in a, a circle of testimony right here where I'm surrounded by people who have similar stories. Yeah, we have our high five stories, but we also have our stories, our but not stories. Struck down, but not destroyed. Thank you for that, God, but... In, in it also, God, there is a weariness we all feel, I am feeling, where we desperately do need you, as we sung a few minutes ago. And we need you to show up in a way to, to, to bring these breakthroughs that our hearts long for on the horizon. We will wait and we will watch, but we do ask for breakthrough. We love you. Thank you so much for helping us know what love even means. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.